Welcome to the Success Inspired Podcast, a business and personal development podcast to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential. And now here is your host, Fit Muller. Welcome to another episode of the Success Inspired Podcast. My guest today, I'm super excited um, to have this guest on today. He's a serial entrepreneur who has built several globally successful businesses since he quit his real job in 2005. Built as the UK's podcast expert, I would say more of a global expert, to be honest. Mark, he's a CEO and co-founder of Rebel Base Media, which is a podcast, tech, and strategy company that owns Captivate FM, which is a platform that I use to host this podcast. Amazing platform. We'll get to that later on in the podcast. They also run a productivity, which is helping those who have podcasts to have actual custom websites. They've got Podcast Success Academy and Rebel Base Studios, which is well known as an insightful, thought-provoking and actionable podcast. He's a widely approachable Brit. He's a Star Wars DC Comics geek. For those who love that stuff, definitely check him out. And that he believes that good business starts with being good to people. Um, so please welcome to the show, Mark Asquith. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I think you say success perfectly. Don't you worry about it. Mark, great to have you on the show, mate. Great to have you on the show. I was practicing your surname, Asquith, correct? <laughs> yeah, most people get that. I've had all sorts with that one. I always try and tell people if they're wondering how to pronounce it, just think of ass and quiff, you know, top to bottom, nice and easy. And people just nail it after that one. Yeah, just eat. See, there you go, straight off the bat. So, yeah, well, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. It is. I'm glad we finally made it happen. I know we had to juggle a few times, uh, but, you know, we made it eventually, which is good. So it let's, is. let's, uh, let's get this, let's get this party started. What does success mean to you, Mark? Success. Yeah, success, I think to me just means being able to do what I want when I want to do it. And that sounds very selfish, but that, you know, I think that the, the, what you want to do changes with, with your age, you know, when you're much younger, you want to do a lot of internalized sort of inward facing selfish stuff. And as you get older, you want to do stuff a little bit more for other people, for your family, for your kids, for your, for, for your partners and, and, and your family. So I think to me, it's just, it's always been defined as just doing what I want when I want to do it and just being happy and content in doing so. That's why I suck at having jobs because there's always someone telling you what to do. Mm. And you've got an interesting story. I watched your uh, TEDx at the university you had in the UK about that. So tell me, uh, and for the listeners, just to give a bit of an insight, a bit of a short version of that speech, because I know that you very early on in your 20s, you've, you've made a big, you know, big decision. And that, that's not a, um, a common thing for a lot of 20-year-olds to be that wise to, to, to realize that that soon, which I think it's great. And I think a lot more people should realize that that soon, rather than when they're 30, 40, that they've wasted or not wasted but they could have maybe chose a different path yeah definitely and, and you know to be clear it, it was it was wasted you know wasted time for me it was kind of just to give the context on it it was so i was i was working for just a normal corporate job you know i was just doing my normal thing just just working as you work i had always been a, a bit of an annoyed kid like an, a bit of an annoyed frustrated youth like just mainly because i think it was i think it was sort of a remnant of just not really having too much when i was younger so i sort of felt a little bit pissed off with that and just felt a little a little frustrated that a lot of people around me had had opportunities and were squandering them because i'd never really had that ease of opportunity like i've still got friends to this day that have just you know they've never really had to do too much work 
you know, they've, they've had a heck of a lot kind of just granted to them, which I, I would do that for my kids. Absolutely. You know, instantly today. But I think back then I was a little bit annoyed and that led me to, to get in these office jobs because to me, like I came from a town that was a mining town and it was, it was always seen as the, the, the real pièce de résistance, the, pl- the place you want to be, the, the big job was just an office job. Like, nothing more specific than that. It was just an office job because mm. it was warm. It was regular and you got paid pretty well, you know, reasonably well. So I was doing this, you know, I did it from 19 to about 23. And I switched jobs, moved from one job in Leeds in England to a job in Sheffield, which were about equidistant from where I was, where I was living at the time. And, uh, I, I, I remember leaving. In fact, really weirdly, the guy that was my boss um, back in the day reached out to me last night about nine hours ago. I've not spoken to him since the day that I'm describing right now. And I left this job, went down to the new job, got there, and I was just startled by just how much of the same rubbish it was. Walked in. It was it was like someone had transplanted the, the, the rubbish from the last job, the boring, repetitive nature, and just put some new walls around it and, and put some new people there. It was like this weird virtual reality. So I just left. You know, I think I did about three hours and just left. I just, you know, I've never st- set foot back in an office as a as an employee since. And that was when I was 23. And the reason that I did that was just because I was bored of it. So then what happened was I went from very quickly, and you'll have seen this on the TEDx, almost overnight. I did two things happen. Number one, I started working with my dad, who was an electrician. That taught me that actually I liked the freedom. It was harder work, but it was more fulfilling and I could dictate what I wanted to do and when. So it was like, okay, turn up at, rather than turn up at nine o'clock for work, I'm going to turn up at eight o'clock for work, but I'm going to do it when I want. And I know I can nip off and I know I can go and get a sandwich at 10 o'clock and I know I can finish the job and leave and I can be home for half three as long as I've done a really good job. So that kind of, that lifestyle worked because for the first time ever, I was going away on a, on a bit of a lad's holiday. I was able to save the money for the spending money that I needed, plus pay for the entire holiday in record time, whilst having the kind of day-to-day life that you know no one was really dictating to me. And the second thing happened immediately after that. I'm a pretty good talker, <laughs> often. So I blagged my way into a, a job that was just paying a fortune. Like I went from earning like 20 grand a year into to like nearly 200 grand at 23, 24 years old. And it was, it was this weird scenario where like, that's what, that's what I thought I kind of wanted. And it was, it was, it was nice. You know, it was easy. I just, I turn up and train people on a number of things. I train people like either the NHS staff on, 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 on clinical systems or for a couple of the contracts I'd work, I'd work with the ministry of defense. I did about nine months, maybe a year overall with the ministry of defense working with the army and the two distinct differences between those two organizations, I was getting the paid, paid the same, doing the same job, project management, business change, training, implementation, recruitment systems, clinical systems, same job. The distinct difference was that the NHS would dictate everything to me. And even if they had nothing for me to do, they would make me sit there looking at a screen for no reason. The guys at the army, day one, I would literally, I would turn up and the, 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 the old major that was, that was working with me was my boss at the time. He'd put his arm around and he'd just say, look, I don't care what time you show up. I don't care what time you leave, but I trust that you'll do a really, really good job. And if you do one hour a day or 10 hours a day, 
but the job is fantastic. I trust you to do that. I thought, oh, this is fantastic. And I gave him more because of that, but also I had much more flexibility. So that was the most fulfilling piece of the job. At that point, I'm earning 200 grand a year. I'd learned those lessons. And then I went back to contracting, so earning the same money, the 200 grand a year, 24 years old, working just for the NHS. So the Ministry of Defence training project finished. We just finished it. We completed it. That's when I realized that actually it was the money that I was chasing, that I thought I wanted, that actually didn't have anything to do with the feelings that I was feeling. Because I had all the money in the world at that point, 24 years old, 200 grand. I could still be doing this today, 15 years later. And I'd still be earning 200 grand a year. And it's easy. It is easy. But I realized that the thing that really annoyed me was the woman, Wendy, telling me, You've got to be there at 8.30, regardless of whether we need you or not. I was, what's the point in that? What a waste of life this is. You telling me because you're angry and because you need to be there and because that's what you chose does not mean that I have got to do that because it's a waste of my life. It's a waste of time. I'm spending eight hours a day with people that I don't really care about and I'm I'm selling my life for 200 grand a year. And with that, so the, the, was it also like the, your job, what you were meant to do that day, like you could have easily done that at any later time, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was more sort of work that could have been, it was, it was work that didn't need eight hours work, but it was very important work. So if you did one hour to deliver a, a, a training system on a, sorry, a training, training session on a clinical system for a diabetes unit in, in somewhere in England, the diabetes unit didn't need eight, eight hours, nine hours of your time. They needed that one sniper shot of knowledge to enable them to care for their patients. And so it was this very classic example of, of sort of, why do you wear a tie? Well, I don't know. We've just always worn a tie. You know, why do you do this? I don't know. We've just always done this. Okay, fair enough. And it was the, the example of that was very clear. Like we've always just turned up at eight and left at five. And it just, it was pointless. They couldn't see that they were getting less out of us because they were forcing that upon us. Like I would have, and I did this with the army guys. I would have done my hours training, gone home and spent another three or four hours developing training materials that they would have then kept after I would have left and they could have used for every other trainer forever. And I would have done that on my own time because I'd have been at home. I wouldn't have had to do the, the big rush hour commute. I'd have done it at 2 p.m. instead of 5.30 p.m. But instead, what they got from me was the one-hour training, which was always good. But they then got another seven hours of me setting up my own business on the side, sneakily on their computers, because they, 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 the, the attitude that they had was, we have got you for this time. You will sit there and do it. So me, my naive 20-something 20 mindset, I was like, well, screw you. All right, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn how to code websites and, you know, fast forward 15 years. Thank you very much. That's brilliant. You know, that's what started me on this path. That that's what happened and I realized that it was it was the money that I was chasing and I because I believed the money would give me what I wanted, which is the feeling of control. But it wasn't. It was actually having control that led to earning more money on my terms. And I think a lot of people do the same thing. They'll go for the money first because they believe it gives them what they need. But realistically, what they get is 
a bit of a lifestyle prison. I did a, just used to do a bit of content on this, like a lifestyle prison. So what you end up doing is you assume that you've got success because you've got money, but you build lifestyles and you build a successful kind of visage of what you're doing. You build your life around this. And then you become this, this prisoner because the kids are at private school and you've got the cars and you expect the holidays and you've got the mortgage payments for the big house. And so you can't stop. So then when you hate the thing that you do to earn all that money, you, you, you've imprisoned yourself because there's no way you want to give the lifestyle because that is what you thought you wanted. Mm. And so I, I didn't do this on purpose. I was just very lucky to stumble across it. I did it the other way. I gave up the 200 grand job. I went back to earning 20 grand, nearly went bankrupt doing it. And I mean, genuinely, you know, my first web design business, I invested 20 grand in my own cash that I'd saved up, made a mistake in hiring the wrong person, sunk all the 20 grand into it, eight months later, I had about 30 pounds in the bank and nothing else. And just, I just thought, what is going on? You know, this is another story I can, I can talk about, you know, later or whatever. Like this is a, a fascinating one. I sort of, uh, I got an arm put around me by a, a very good friend of mine who, who sadly passed away last year, but a mentor and a former business partner of mine who, who helped me kind of back from that and, and, and taught me different ways to do business. But I did it the other way where I went back to the 20 grand didn't buy the houses, didn't buy the cars, invested the money, enjoyed spending the money that I'd earned because I was in my early 20s. It was brilliant. But then learned how to build something that I then control. And I waited another 15, 20 years to buy the things that I could have bought back then because at least I can then control how I earn the money. I'm not having to do it on someone else's time or on their agenda. So that's a, that was an interesting lesson. I mean, there's, there's piles that we can we can dig into on that one. Um, absolutely, absolutely. So takeaway, big loads. takeaway point I'm getting from this, and you can correct me if I got it wrong, is that you know you can either chase money, but that might be in you know costing you in the lifestyle and the freedom that you that you normally have uh, otherwise, or you could start with focusing on the freedom and then design everything else around it so you can maintain that freedom still pursuing money and still pursuing you know wealth you know whatever career or your own business but doing it in your own terms right yeah it, it defo it defo kind of just what's the best way to say this it is always about control Re regardless it's a, it's about control there's never anyone that does anything for any other reason. Hmm. We just think we do it for other reasons. So we think we do it for the stuff and we think we do it for the ego and all that stuff, but we don't, we do it for just to be able to control the healthcare choices that we have, the holiday choices, the schooling choices, the education, the living locale, the travel choices. We do it because we've got an idea of how we want success to look for us. And it might be that you need a certain threshold of revenue. You know, most of the influencers that you see online, I don't think I can think of one that doesn't somehow kind of flaunt their financial status, even if they're the ones that are selling quote unquote value. Be humble, be authentic, 
it's it's not like they're not posting pictures of the pool. You know, mm. it's it, so you've got to be really you've got to be really clear on what's going on, especially in this on, online entrepreneur world. You know, you've got to be really really clear what's going on. Everyone wants control, and everyone wants control of something. For some people, it's control of ego. Money enables that. For some people, it's control of education and lifestyle. Guess what? Money gives you that. And I think the difference is just when you're willing to wait for that control to happen. There's a lot of kids. My brother's one of them. He's a pain in the ass. He wants the control, but he's not educating himself enough to be useful and valuable to people who can help him to get that control, a.k.a. he has not developed himself into something saleable. But he wants all the stuff that goes with it. That's one set of people that put money first and assume it will lead to control. The other people, you know, a lot of the online entrepreneurs, a lot of the the, the SaaS founders, people like yourself, will put the, the discipline and the control in place early. And they will they will do the work even without the reward. And then when the reward comes, those people that didn't do that say, well, you're lucky that's an overnight success. And you're like, well, okay, you think that, but you know, we, we know that that's not true. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's, there, I don't know if that helps or answers the question, but it's, 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 it's a fascinating nuance, you know? Absolutely. And look to add, to add my perspective as well, which is not, di not different from what you're saying, but to put it on a simple terms for me, the definition of success is when I wake up in the morning and I feel, you know what? It's sunny outside, you know, got my partner next to me, my son. I want to have the ability to say, you know what, let's, let's go, um, let's go for brekkie to some good coffee shop and jump in the car and go to the coast today. Just, you know, go and smell the roses, go fishing or whatever. Just having that, like I said, control, freedom, whatever you want to call it, the freedom to be able to do what you want at any point. Obviously, it's easy to send it done, and it does take, you know, you got to get there. But that that's how I see it. That's, I mean, the whole reason I'm doing this podcast is to to eventually, and it's in a way sounds a little bit selfish, but eventually grow this into a, a platform where I'm making more impact to more people, but also obviously know, adding some sort of monetization element to it. To a degree, I don't want to piss off anybody, <laughs> but you know. So that's the whole. That's the whole thing for me. I'm just being completely honest, and this is why I'm doing this podcast. To, yes, I'm selling it as I want to give everybody more value. I want to inspire others, but in a way, it's a vehicle. I'm building a vehicle. I'm just being honest, and you know, and just yeah. coming from from somebody who's had a business for eight years. I've run my own fitness business. I've been a personal trainer in Sydney for eight years. Going through all that, going through all that pain, going through, you know, changing all the heads, I know all the hard work that goes into it. I have made a decision to have a, a full-time job now, but that's just a purely just a, that's got its meaning. It's, a, it's a, what do you say, meaning to its end, you know? Well, to be fair, man, that's, that, there's, what, what is fascinating with that is that, again, you've controlled it and you're right with the freedom of getting up and doing the coffee shop and the breakfast and the beach room, like all of that stuff is, is exactly what I'm talking about and you've nailed it, but the job stuff is fascinating to me. Like I've always said that if I ever stop doing what I'm doing, I will retrain as an electrician or a plumber and I will just get a job hmm. because it's not the job. That's the problem. It's the control, like I said, and you know, 
if you've got your home paid for and if you've got your kids in school and you can afford to live the lifestyle that you want to live without the pressure of building a business, then there is an attraction to that. Absolutely. So, oh, yeah. Oh, big it, one. <laughs> I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I often manage, I often talk about, you know, running your own business, and but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't mean that you need to have a business to have all this freedom. You can you can certainly do it through career as well, working for somebody. As long as you negotiate, you make it, you know, work for you, right? Yeah, exactly. That is that is exactly it. And and for me, like I'm a terrible boss. Uh, sorry, not a terrible boss. I mean, I probably I'm a terrible boss in all fairness. If you ask the team, but I'm a, I'm a terrible employee for bosses because bosses most of the time are rubbish. They are rubbish because they've welched on their success. They've done the thing that we talked about earlier. They've gone for the cash. They've taken the steady path. They've gone the one rung at a time. And guess what? Climbing a ladder one rung at a time, it's really hard to hold yourself on one rung for a year or two years at a time. You get tired. Your body gets achy. Your mind gets achy. And then every now and again, you, get, you can pull yourself up to the next rung for a little bit more. But then you do that over 30, 40 years and suddenly you're the boss and you're angry and you're pissed with it because it's taking you all that time. And so you project that onto everyone else. And so a lot of, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't say every boss, of course not. You know, this is very individualistic, but in my experience, certainly more of the older style bosses who believe in the nine to five, who believe in doing things as they've always been done are crap. They are terrible bosses because they are so annoyed that things could be done differently and they never benefited from it being done differently, that they don't want anyone else to benefit from it. Mm. Like it's just, it's something that I've seen time and time and time and time again. You know, whether that is with myself as an employee in the past, whether that's with family members that have gone through this process whether it's with employees that come into the Rebel Base Media Company or the Captivate product team and work for us and tell us about it. You know, people get angry, man. People get angry. And it's because, largely, it's because, again, they can't control what's going on in their lives. They still have to do the 5 a.m. get up to get there for 8 a.m when the rest of the world is moving on from that. Yeah, you've always got to be conscious of what's really going on with people. And there's, I think there's, it's, it's always bad to see people bashing people that have got jobs and careers, like the entrepreneurs. You see it all the time. And it's normally the new entrepreneurs that are not making any money, right? They normally feel great for making the jump into quote-unquote entrepreneurship and bash the people that have got the jobs. Like, oh, night of five's for suckers. No, it's not for suckers. Like, it's not for suckers at all. It, you've just got to find what's right for you. And we should all respect every version of that for every person because there's always a bigger fish, to quote Qui-Gon Jim from Star Wars. There's always a bigger fish, man. See, I did say you're a Star Wars fan at the beginning, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, absolutely, totally right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, you know, 18-year-old entrepreneurs, Instagram, you know, they, they pursue that or Instagram path or whatnot, and they all get inspired. They go, Tony Robbins and all that. It's all exciting, right? You get it. And I know because I did the whole thing myself, you know, I went, not Instagram, but, you know, going to all these personal development events, Tony Robbins and all that. And you go to these events and you just feel like super motivated. You're like going all in. Guess what? Going all in on your own, especially got no cash. And I literally had no cash. I I arrived with nothing to Australia on student visa. 
when you're bootstrapping things, it's, it's, you know, it's not always going to lead to success. You might end up putting a lot of your hard work and years into it and nothing comes out. So you got to think about that because, you know, when you're in your twenties, that's, there's massive opportunity. You don't want to miss it because then you get to thirties and you, your, 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 your life changes. You got different priorities. You well, might want to consider about that. You're right. Sorry to jump in on that one, dude. That's right. I think you're right. And I think it's an important point just to mention. If you look at the gurus out there, I've got a serious litmus test for two litmus tests that you can use mm-hmm. for the, for the gurus. It's easy to make someone feel good. It, it really is. You say the right words at the right time and you say them loudly. And if you can say them around other people, because the halo effect works. But the litmus test is this. If after you are excited and the excitement has calmed down, if you can go to that person's website and you can either look at their income reports or you can look at their revenue through the IRS or through the HMRC in the UK and you can see a growth year on year in revenue, that's a tick in a box. If it stays the same, even if it's high, but stays the same, there's potentially a problem because growth is required. I can't think of any other business where you go, yeah, it's all right to stay the same. It's fine. Don't worry about growth. It's cool. So that's the first litmus test. The second litmus test is the biggest one. Every entrepreneur, podcast coach, funnel expert, Facebook expert, whatever it is, will get you excited about what you should do. But when that excitement has dissipated and subsided, go back to them and ask them specifically, and not in buzzy terms, not in add value and ask your audience what they want and then give it to them terms. None of that crap. That's all top of the top of the, that's real top of the tree stuff. That's just superficial stuff. Mm-hmm. Ask them, can you tell me exactly what to do? And can you specifically walk me through the tangible implementation steps to do it? Not, not the, not the sneaky implementation steps. So this is the normal path. All right. I'll t- this is the normal guru pros. You want to get one life. If you believe in a plan B, then you don't believe enough in your plan A. You've got to go all in. What's the worst that can happen? Focus, follow one course and so till success. You have <laughs> got to nail this. You have only got one chance to do this. Life is too short. Well, how do I do that then? Well, Sign you ask up. your audience what they want <laughs> and then you, you, give it, you give that to them and then you make sure that you add value. But guess what? The extra mile is the road less traveled. Yet yeah, that's, you know, the conscious entrepreneur needs to ask, that's brilliant and it sounds fantastic, but I asked how you do it. I didn't ask for some concepts that might get me closer to how I do it. I asked for specifically, how do I do it? And if you want to get really clear on it, how do I do it today in 2021 and 2022? Not 2018 or 2015 or 2013 or 2009 or 1980. How do I do it today? And if you get a good answer, that's your guru. But if you get a good answer, you need to let everyone else know because there aren't many good answers out there. We've got a really good segue from here. Mark, when I was looking for, you know, 
when I was thinking about launching this podcast, which is a journey of a couple of years, but I finally got my ass to do it last year. When I was researching which platform we're going to go, obviously, you know, ask Uncle Google. I've looked at all of them. And at the end, Captivate came on top. Now, not just because, you know, how it all came across, you know, free trial and all that. It was That's initially what got me in. But what got me to stay is the amount of value that you and your team provide. And it's no, you know, wishy-washy motivational speeches. None of that. You guys... You're a good example of that, what you just said, you know, providing specific steps, how you do that. And, you know, time and time again, every week I jump in a Facebook group or, you know, get emails from you. You give me specific advice, specific steps, how I go about improving this podcast. And in a way, it's a blueprint. I mean, in retrospect, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to occasional, you know, personal development event or going keep copy. I keep um, quoting Tony Robbins, but any of those likes, there's nothing wrong. I mean, you get that kickstart, you get that boost. I mean, it's a good feeling, but you definitely have to have somebody as well who gives you that blueprint. You certainly done that, so I just wanted to say thank you for that. No, thank you, man, and and, and you're absolutely right in insofar as. <clears throat> Excuse me. The 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 place that these gurus and and this this motivational stuff fits in, you, it, it has a place, and there's nothing wrong with it. The problem is that people see it as the complete picture and the end to the mm. means, but it's not. It's one piece of a far bigger picture, and it's the beginning. It's the it's the first because you know there's a reason that these people can still keep tramming out the same message year on year. And it's because new people always need to hear the motivation. You know, you, you, you need, you'll know this as a personal trainer. You, you, the, the day one in the gym is, is the hardest bit. Day two, when you feel a little sore and you can feel that the work is paying off, even though you can't see it yet, you can feel it. You can feel something's different. Day two is easier. But what they're doing is they're giving you day one. They're giving you the motivation that you need. They're giving you that inspiration. The, the worry that I always have People quit their jobs and their livelihoods based on this. And I used to do a little bit of mentoring and, 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 and stuff. I still do, in fact, when, you know, COVID notwithstanding, for a lot of startups. And a lot of startups, like I was even told this. I used to, when I used to run the design and digital agency, quit the agency to go all in on, on podcast websites. And I was like, well, I love podcast websites as the business. I really, really do. But the addressable market is too small mm. to, to scale this thing right now so we need to do other things and we've got other ideas and thus captivate productivity and the other stuff and then we can come back to podcast websites revamp that pivot it slightly open up more of an addressable market had i listened to the motivational people i'd have quit my job i'd have quit my agency that i built up too early and wouldn't have been able to have the space that i need now a word on space okay so we've got to take these gurus and these entrepreneurs as what they are which is like i said it's that they are the day one they either get through the gym door and that's fine. We all need that, but they're not quit the job to work in the gym every single day. You know, if you want to, if you genuinely want to have a lifestyle where you are constantly at 7% body fat and constantly fit as a fiddle, then it is a profession or it requires a heck of a lot of dedication in your spare time. Like you can't have it without one of those two scenarios. And a lot of people don't see that about business. They see business as a light switch, an on or off, I'm in or I'm out. And when I do the startup mentoring, it's not the case. Like the on or off is feeding your kids. 
and it needs to be bloody on all the time. And the on or off is paying your mortgage, and you better believe that that needs to be on all the time. And there's a reason that VCs and startup funds and seed funders and angels want the founders to take a good salary out of that investment. Because if you as a business owner are worried about money, you ain't worried about growing the business. You're worried about the next bill payment. That's why founders want you to take the decent salary when they invest. Sorry, that's why VCs and so on. And so the problem is that there's a gap. There's a disparity between what gurus tell people to do as a next step, which is go all in, go all in. My advice is don't go all in with the physicality side of it. Don't go all in with the nine to five quitting. Because if you do, your mortgage comes all out and your ability to feed people comes all out. And remember, those entrepreneurs are the ones that I mentioned earlier that had 20, 40, 50, 60, 70 grand to put into the VAs. When they started, they didn't go all in. They just had a bit of space. So the job is to understand if you want to start something, that it's not a light switch. Going from having a job to not a job and being your own person is not a light switch. It took me two years of learning how to code websites to be able to sell websites. And I was slowly able to supplement my income by 500 pound a month, then a grand a month, and then two grand a month. And then suddenly, wait a minute, I'm earning my wages at 20 odd. So I may as well quit because maybe I could earn a little bit more through this freelance stuff now. And then, you know, thus we get the growth. Yep. So that segue is important. People don't realize that. And they're meant to feel bad for thinking like that. When in reality, there, there are very few there are very few genuine business owners and entrepreneurs that jumped into their entrepreneurial business with nothing. Most of them had something, whether it was redundancy payout, whether it was savings, they had a runway. They had a year or six months. Great way to, great way this has been put was by one of my guests in a couple of episodes back, Adam Markel. He said, you Essentially, what you're doing is you've got a bridge going on in your life. You've got a bridge. That's the re bridge representing your income. Right, you've got a job. That's the bridge. Now, you want to have more freedom. You start, you know, you're thinking about this other bridge. But you can't destroy the first bridge unless you build that second bridge. Otherwise, I mean, how are you going to cross over, right? So always think about that. That's, that's a good, like, just a visual analogy. Always Build the second bridge while you've got the first bridge. Because like you said, you know, when, if you go and you got those stories, I mean, there's stories of those people that said, ah, oh, you know, went all in and, and it worked out, but that's, you're really playing with odds. And that's the chances that this will happen to you, that you will, you know, hit that luck. It's just so small. And, True, and right. Just a, a very tiny thing to remember. They often start with money. They had something saved or a redundancy or something, but they don't mention that very often because it's not mm. sexy. And when they go all in, all they mean is they go all in on focus. That's their sole driver is the thing that they're focused on. They might only spend two hours a day on it because they're working, but they, that is the thing that consumes them. Like when I was learning web coding and building Captivate, I was all in on it. But there were days that I only worked two hours because it was a Saturday and I had the family to see to. Doesn't mean I was less all in. It was just about focus. But sorry, I interjected. Sorry, man. No, no, you're right. No, you're, I mean, you, you, it's just all fits in, you know. I was just going to say, basically, on top of that, is that you were able to do that because you had a safety net 
your example, anyone's example who's going all in, as long as they've got an S safety, they've got something saved up, enough saved up not to have to worry about where's that next bill coming in. Only then can you fully, fully focus on what you're doing. And and you will actually do it really well. And you should you, you should be able to see, you know, whatever you do to accelerate quite fast. But the opposite is if you don't have that financial security and you're thinking about, okay, where is my next paycheck comes in you put yourself in that stressful situation when we are stressed and there's no way people say oh no i'll, I'll handle it there's no way i mean it's it's just in a human nature it's it's uh, you know you think talk about maslow's pyramid you gotta have a roof over your the basic needs you, you have to have that if you don't have that your little monkey brain in the back is just gonna kick in and put you know put you in that fight or flight now, as soon as that happens you might call that i'm hustling because you're grinding through yes you're stressed and you might call that it, it's all right but it's not because what's happening is when you're in fight or flight, your IQ goes down. It's just a physiological thing. You can't, you can't not, you know, you can't say that's not happening. It, it will happen, right? So you will get more stupid because you're more stressed. You'll get more annoying. You'll start making more stupid decisions, more rash decisions. And, and that's just a vicious cycle because as a result of those stupid decisions, you see um, yourself going even further, you know, three steps back and then, you think that going, going going even all in. I mean, I'm sort of talking about myself in a way because I've went through that. You know, I've been a personal trainer and, and you know, I was going through that whole got to pay for my student visa, I got to pay for my school, I got to save enough money. Okay, how many clients have got booked in next week? I got built my website. And then, you know, and then going to these motivational events. And then I bought, you know, if you guys know what's his name, he wrote the book 10X, Grant Cardone, right? I bought his yeah. book 10X. And then I read the book and it just basically in a nutshell, it just says, if you're working hard, work it, if you think you're working hard enough, you're not working hard enough. And so I just went even more all in. The way I did it is I just reduced my sleep. It was nuts. It was nuts. It does not work. You have to have a safety net. If you don't have a safety net, get a job and then do this on the side. Otherwise, I don't, I don't see it's any true, other man. option. No, it's true. And it, it's like you said, the Maslow's hierarchy is, is, is a complete and utter representation of, of reality it really is and, and and a lot a lot of people do forget that a lot of people really do get fired up and it's it's a good example of this is you know you'll you'll appreciate this being a, a pt and 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 being clearly a, a fit and healthy guy like a lot for the last maybe 18 months i've sucked at that side of it because we've been building captivate out and that's you know that takes up a lot of time there are a lot of a lot of things that require my attention, and 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 frankly, I get lazy, and I think, well, you know, I'll, I'll exercise tomorrow. So this year, you know, I've gone right back to that. But what I did was, rather than going back to what I could do when I was 31, 30, and twenty nine, and you know, when I was training every day, twice a day, sometimes, what I was able to do because I'd learned this 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 bridge analogy that you mentioned earlier. I was able to say, well, wait a sec, what do I want to achieve? It's just, I need to get fitness back up, up to a level that it used to be. And I, ideally, you know, I'd like to look a bit better. Of course, we'd all like to look a bit better. But I'm not going to jump in and assume I can do eight hours a day. Instead, I'm actually just going to go right back to basics. And I'm just going to focus on my macros and my nutrition. And I'm going to focus directly on simple compound basics for 40 minutes a day and enough cardio to make my heart think, what the hell are you doing? Like that is 
it. Like I didn't go back to what I was doing, but that doesn't mean that I've gone less all in because I'm still getting my ass into the gym every day to do it. Even when it's like my gym's downstairs in the garage, like sometimes dude, it's one degree in there, it's freezing, but I still do it because I'm all in, but I'm not quit my job. I'm not working less. I'm not seeing Sam less. She's still seeing me as much as she did. I'm still watching WandaVision and playing my PlayStation and going out and feeding the ducks in the garden and all, you know, all that stuff that I did before. And that doesn't mean that I'm less all in on this other stuff that I've reintroduced. And it's, I can't think of any other example where being all in would mean sacrificing everything apart from maybe the younger days of elite athletes you know, Michael Phelps, Tiger Woods, Mm. you know, they sacrificed everything to become the top of the tree. But for many entrepreneurs, you know, and business owners and people searching success, we're not actually after being at the top of the tree because no one can decide what the top of the tree is. It's a big, (laughs) wide, broad tree and there's just a shed ton of branches on it. All we want to be is a little bit higher up and controlling where we are at any given time. So, the, the point that I'm making, the salient piece to take from that, I think, is just be realistic about what's going on because success is something that if you have all the things that you always wanted, but getting them and keeping them drains you to the point that you can't stop and look at them and enjoy them, then that's not success. No. That's looking successful. And that is really different. In which case, you really have to ask yourself, are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it for others? Because you want to be perceived in a certain way, in which case you really need to have a deep, you know, ask yourself deep down, is this serving you? Is this what you, you know really what, want? Actually, <laughs> that's a really good point, man. So I'm not really into cars. Like very recently, very recently, we've got a, Kieran and I have got a, through one of the businesses, we ended up getting a, uh, a Tesla on lease which is amazing. Like the Model 3 performance thing, I love it. It's like the fastest thing that you're ever likely to get in apart from the other Teslas. I love it, right? But I don't care about cars. I genuinely don't give a crap about them. It's just a means to an end for me. So before this, I always had fairly crappy cars. You know, it was just these cars that, you know, I bought them and I was like, well, I'll just run this until it dies. I don't give a crap about what it looks like. Now, here's the thing, right? The perception of me amongst the people that used to know me in the old building that we had the businesses in before we moved to to where the studio is now. Mm -hmm. I've seen a few of these people recently. The perception of me has changed because I've got this Tesla. They're like, oh, you're doing well. Like, why am I doing well? Just because I can afford a 300 quid a month lease through the business like that. I'm not doing it for you to look at that and think, wow, you're doing well. It's just there was a really cheap deal on Teslas and there's a pile of tax relief because they're they're green cars. Like, I don't really care about the fact that it's a Tesla. Flip the other way. When I had the crap car, I was still running seven-figure businesses, still had a team of 10. I was still traveling all over the world and speaking at Harvard and doing the TEDxs. But I had a five grand car that was beat up and dropping to pieces because I did not give a crap and I didn't want... I had no reason to impress other people with a bloody car. And they always assumed that business was bad. And I was like, well, that's all right. You can assume that makes no difference to me. You're not my customers. It's all right. And it just goes to show that if you chase the wrong thing, 
you'll get the ego pats, you'll get the feeling of success, you'll get people telling you that you're doing well, but you'll know what's really going on. You will know what's going on. And it's the old cliche, you know, a, a struggling salesman turns up in a new car. Hmm. Like, as an entrepreneur, it, it's, it's, that's not the thing to be chasing. Forget Instagram, the laptop beach lifestyle. Forget the, you know, the, 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 the kind of entrepreneurs that rent a plane and take some pictures on <laughs> it to make it look like they're going to speaking. Like, people do this crap, and they're doing it. They are absolutely, like you said, my man, they are doing it for other people so that other people go, I want to be like that person. Big, big trap, dude. Worst case scenario, they might even use it as a magnet to then sell you on to the course to make you believe that, you know, if you buy their course, then that's a path to the same lifestyle as they have it. So that's many of those. Do. So many of those. It's ridiculous. But what they also do, they, they'll just do those two things we mentioned earlier. They'll miss the litmus tests. They'll fail the test. Hmm. So they'll get you motivated. They'll get you through the dawn, day one. Get you motivated, make you feel really well. They'll tell you what they should, what you should do in broad terms, top level, macro terms. But when it comes to the how, their courses will be severely lacking because they don't know how. You know, they're not dealing. We, we used to have um, someone that wanted to get involved in Captivate who, you know, frankly, got a fair audience, but couldn't add anything to the software, doesn't know how to build software, doesn't know how to scale software, doesn't know how to run a CX team, a UX team, a UI team, a design team, a D team of developers, doesn't know much about branding, knows enough about content marketing to be all right, but doesn't know how to scale a SaaS business. You know, it's different. It's different. And they, you know, they came in wanting 10%. And if I'd have based my decisions based on Instagram and the macro stuff, the big motivational stuff. I'd have given 10% of my company away to someone, sadly, that would have been out of their depth within six months. And it's, it's, it's not to say that they're not good at what they do. It's just that what they do doesn't fit everything. And I think that's another lesson with the online entrepreneurs. Like They are very good at what they do. But what you do might not be what they are good at. So take the motivation, take the inspiration from them, but don't assume that they know how to grow your type of business. Dude, there's so much we could go into. I keep talking about this. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I was, I was going to add a point where you talk about the body fat stuff, about you know, if you want to get to 7%, it's actually really hard to stay there. <laughs> it's, it's actually better to maybe stay around 15% for the most part, and then maybe when it gets to summer to shave it off a little bit. But I don't really know that many people who stay at 7% for that long, which is a good analogy to... To the business you know if you're trying to always chase that top top you know perception for everybody else to to look schmick and plain and fancy car deep inside you might not be healthy because it's not uh, happy because it's not um sustainable and you know it so maybe better off too maybe but and because also you put yourself on that pedestal everybody will look up to you or, or both ways you get haters you get you get followers, but you might also just get overall attention that you might not be happy about because you don't have a way to sort of hide or, you know, relax and be yourself, walk down a street to the shop without people, whatever. <laughs> so maybe it's just better to be at 15% rather than 7%. I agree, man. And when I get from, when I get down from a 47% to 15, I'll let you know. Holy God, no, no. I don't know what I'm at at the minute. I think I'm maybe at about 21, 22. I reckon I've put a bit on. 20 or 22, that's and pretty it's... good. We, we generally say for guys, you want to be between 10, 10 to 20, 20%. So that's a healthy wrench. So once you get to about 15%, that's when you can start to see a bit more definition, a bit more that six buck. 
No, oh, mate, I've got, I've got, certainly got a one pack at the minute. It's like this beautiful <laughs> barrel. <laughs> well, but you're certainly working towards improving that, right? And like I said, you haven't went all in, which we call, you know, weekend warriors going all in, and they fail after six weeks or three weeks because it's not sustainable. You went the smart path. I like that. You know, compound, simple, big lifts, big bang for the back type of movements in the in the time that you have left while. You're obviously in the growth phase of your company, so it just makes perfect sense. And the number one thing that you can make the most influence is obviously nutrition, 100%. Always start with nutrition. Anybody listening to this right now, if you're thinking about, and I know we sort of talk a lot about business, but when it comes to success, when it comes to the ultimate success in your life, in your life like feeling happy about where you're at, it also comes down to your body and how you feel, your well-being. And so it's so important to uh, make sure that you do that too because how do you expect to perform properly and running a company such as captivate and, and all the other businesses that you're involved in yourself mark i mean how do you expect to perform at your top peak if you're not looking after your body right i mean you've got you've got people relying on you not just your employees customers right so as an example so anybody listening to this right now if you have been listening to this podcast and you you're constantly thinking about this success as a thing of business and money coming in well, make sure that you also prioritize your well-being because we could go into the whole science and how much and all the benefits of exercise on your not just your physical well-being, but also your cognitive functioning. I can understand that as well because I I you know one of the biggest fallacies as a business owner is that you don't have time to do it. And and you inevitably get worse. You do, you get worse. And the thing that I've noticed is that the periods of burnout, the the space between them becomes far less and less and less. And, and, and it's a continually diminishing period because you, you, you do, you find yourself in this, in this position where you, you know, you get a bit tired and, and, and you think oh, I ain't got time to work out. So you have a couple of days off, you, you kind of replenish yourself a little bit from this burnout. And then actually the, the space between or the space and the time until the next one is far less than the previous one, because you're not actually changing anything. All you're doing is refilling the glass. Of, of energy and willpower, but the glasses and the capacity in that glass is becoming far less every time you do it because you're not, you're not structurally changing anything. You're not giving it the, the structure and the infrastructure to be able to hold more stuff, to be able to hold more weight. So you get, you get worse and worse and worse, man. You're absolutely right. And if you don't handle it and you keep on pushing through the stress, the cycle of stress on and on and on as Really good podcast, by the way. I'm, I don't want, we're not going to cover too much more of this because there's a really good episode that I recorded with a good friend of mine, Rob Leon. So just look him up. It's one of the past, I think maybe episode three or four, four episodes back. He is a corporate wellness coach and um, he gave a really good example about one of his top clients, you know, lawyers. They oftentimes have you know, huge deadlines, work crazy hours, under the palm, a lot of stress. And Instead of him going and pitching to them his you know, circuit training or something that's like of a high intensity nature, instead, he propose, proposes to them to do yoga or something that can put you in balance. Because if you go to homeostasis, right? And when we're in constant fight or flight, you're in the stress mode. Your body doesn't function properly. So you got to give yourself a room to, to switch off and balance yourself back down to the homeostasis, you know, reduce the cortisol in your bloodstream and all that. And only then you can start being a bit more optimal. And also, if, if, if you want to, you know, get something practical, mindful eating, it's a form of meditation. I'm not a huge fan of meditation. Not that it's not great. I'm just, you know, I'm not just, I'm not, I'm not your guy, but uh, eating. Go for lunch, 
try this if you're feeling stressed go for lunch and have your lunch in the park right leave your phone at the office just go and grab take away whatever lunch lunch take your lunch to the to the park sit down and just focus on the act of eating for 15 minutes it's amazing what it does in 15 minutes you finish and you'll feel refreshed so just so we can add something really practically in this episode on that topic <laughs> i like it man yeah i like it mark Initially, when I booked you in for this episode, I was thinking, you know what, we're going to talk a lot about podcasting because that's what your specialty, but <laughs> we never really got to that. We talk so much about career and so much other stuff, which is all great. And we provided so much wisdom and I'm so grateful to, to, to do that. But do you think that we could perhaps do another episode so that for those that are listening, that are interesting in, you know, podcasting space and, and what podcasting could do for them and you know, maybe a little more technical one as well, a bit of a blueprint as well, cover a bit more of that. Do you think we could do that in a couple of couple of weeks' time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's, uh, yeah, let's do a, a podcasting chat as well. Yeah, it's, I, I used to do a lot of interviews like this one. I've not done any for a few years because everything has been podcasting. So this has been a nice change, man. So I appreciate it. But of course, let's let's do another session for sure. Awesome. Now, on, on a closing, what would be the top three things that you'd like our listeners listening to this episode today to walk away with? If you're going to walk away with anything, I think it's just understanding that that you've got to, number one, you've got to understand what, what success really feels like for you. And that's a really big distinction. Notice I didn't say what it looks like. It's what it feels like. And that is a really big difference. Really, really big distinction. Number two, you've got to understand what it takes to get there. And and and, and you mentioned it that, you know, that the, there is no weekend warriors that do well. There aren't any. I once wrote a song called Weekend Warrior about my brother because he's like this. I, I might revisit that, actually. It was... It was an interesting time, actually. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's something that I've digressed into. But you've got to understand what what that success means, and it's the small things that that matter. And number three, it's patience. You know, you ha- when when we're building software and we're building Captivate and 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 everything else that we do. You know, in my head, I've got this five year vision, and it relies on people trusting me to 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 take step one, and for year one to look like it does so that we can get to year five and not everyone shares that vision. You know, people, people beat up on you because it's easier to beat up on you than to trust you. So just be clear on having your vision and be clear on understanding that it's a long-term endeavor. Anything that is worth doing, as we know, is, is, is worth doing right and takes time to do it, but you have to have a vision of what things feel like. And it's difficult to stick to, because people will want to tell you that you shouldn't be doing it, but stick to it and make sure you're focused on what you want to feel like, not what you want to have. That's a really important one. I love that. Think about what success feels for you. How will you get there and have that patience? I love it. Mark, it's been amazing having you on the show today. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time taking away from running all your businesses. Guys, I appreciate you listening to the show today. Mark, how can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Um, they want to check out your stuff. Obviously, we're gonna put we're gonna put some stuff in the show notes uh, for those of you guys who are interested in podcasting. I've got a special offer for you all that I've been able to negotiate with Mark. You get a seven day free trial for Captivate, so there'll be a link there. But other than that, how can people reach out to you, Mark? Well, thanks for having me on the show, dude. Uh, always a pleasure to chat, and just probably Twitter at Mr. Asquith is the easiest way. Just get me over on the Twitter. That's where I do most of my engaging and chatting. So yeah, at Mr. Asquith on Twitter. Awesome.